Tap In Time, a Chapman Stick podcast. Whether you've played the instrument for years or are just curious, if it's stick talk you're looking for, this is the place. So come along and stay a while. Hello again out there and welcome to Tap In Time. This is episode number 16 and I'm Victor. I'm Gene. And I'm Rodrigo. So it's been a while since we've had an episode where the crew just talks about something. Um, our five most recent episodes have been interviews, and my admittedly biased <clears throat> opinion is that they've had some really, really interesting content. Today, though, we're going to switch back to a topical discussion. So we're going to talk about the rainforest? No, no, Gene, that would be a tropical discussion. I'm talking about a topical discussion. So our intent, as always, is to have a conversation that everyone finds enjoyable. But today, we're going to focus on those listeners who might not have a stick, but are wanting one. Now, it's a significant purchase, so prospective owners often reach out on social media and forums with questions to help decide whether to buy one in the first place, or maybe to figure out what flavor of instrument they want. It's not a topic that you can easily summarize. You can't tie it up with a neat little bow, and that's apparent in some tap and time discussions that have highlighted this. Best example of that is episode number eight, which is called Can't Stop at Just One. And if you're thinking about buying a stick and you've never bought one before, do yourself a favor and check that one out, seriously. Circling back to the here and now though, our plan is to do two episodes on the topic. And first today, we're gonna hit things at a higher level. Desires, expectations, a little background on the instrument, and maybe some aspects that you might not have thought about. Then our next episode will be at a lower level and we're gonna look at some of the technical specifics, such as instrument configuration, uh, number of strings, pickups, materials, maybe new versus used instruments, etc. So having said all of that, Gene, how do you want to kick this thing off? Well, it's a, it's a great discussion. And so some of our more experienced players, um, and probably most of the people who listen to this podcast who already have a stick, may not be able to... Um, or may not get as much out of it. So uh, ideally, this is this would be kind of a template, or certainly something to forward to someone that w was thinking about getting a Chapman stick, right? So all of us each had our own experience. We came to the instrument in different ways, and so um, you know, the, the, I suppose the the first question is: Are you actually going to throw down two grand or three grand on a Chapman stick? So cost is certainly something to consider. Um, something else to consider, I suppose, would be, you know, why a Chapman stick? You know, why not? There's, there's a whole bunch of tapping instruments. You know, the, I saw another video with the dragonfly this morning and it was just sounded so beautiful. I can't remember the name of the gentleman who had one, but it was, you know, I had the volume off and you click on the volume and I was thinking, you know, I've heard this before. I know what this is going to sound like, but it just exceeded my expectations. They sound so beautiful with the nylon strings and, um, and with my eyes closed, one might think that it is an acoustic guitar, which I suppose is the intent. Um, you know, what do you want to do with it? Like once you get it and um, what were you thinking? You know, like, so uh, what were you thinking? And, and so before we get into kind of like our, our kind of basic info section here, I suppose, 
and, and I'll kind of pass the conch here, you know, Rod, maybe you can talk a little bit about, um, you know, we've heard, my understanding is that you saw Bob playing, but, you know, what, before you got the stick, I think we had a few Facebook conversations, right, messenger conversations about it. Tell me something that you know now that you didn't know then. <laughs> That's kind of the hardest question you could. Everything. Everything. Yeah. I, I didn't see that coming. So, so yeah, I, I found out about the stick just by accident, sawing a, a, a Bob video, and I kind of got hooked on it. And I was, I was, I was with some friends. I, we were uh, touring in Austria, and we were, we had, we had this apartment where. Uh, we kind of stayed in, and I suddenly I was calling guys. Come on, say, come and see this. Come and see this. And after I don't know what, half an hour, we've already seen it like twenty times. And I kind of thought, <laughs> uh, I would like to know more about this. I want to do this. Whatever. So it kind of, I, I it kind of was like this little bug that started growing. So I got into it, and I think that that's just my story could have easily been uh, i could have seen tony tony levin playing uh a chapman stick uh which which funny enough i've been this is a very curious thing i don't i don't think i've ever told you this case but i've been hearing about the stick and tony playing the stick for like 20 years mm. and i know i'm a huge peter gabriel fan and and tony also plays uh, an upright electric bass right and here in portugal we call that uh, a stick a stick bass so Whenever anyone, I, I never even realized there was a Chapman stick uh, <laughs> un until I saw Bob's video. So I was listening to Tony Levin, and I was listening to Peter Gabriel and whatever. I never put the two things together, you know. So I was, I just thought when people said Tony was playing a stick, I thought they were referring to um, an acoustic, uh, uh, an upright bass, which we call um, a stick yeah, bass. It is one of those NSs. Yeah, kind of like that. So it's yeah. like an upright bass electric without the body, just just the arm. Mm -hmm. So. That's what I thought. Uh, so it could could have easily been that. Also, it just happened to be Bob. And for my personal thing was the um, tremendous amount of things he was doing alone. So in my for for my how do you say this? What Experience, hit me? Uh, no, you know when something hits you and gets your attention was the the possibility the possibility mm -hmm. to do a lot of things. The potential. And the, the potential, potential exactly. Potential. So the potential to do a lot of things, and in my case, alone. So I, I didn't have to, to do it with counting on other musicians, which for me, being a, a bass player and a, a professional musician playing with other people and depending, particularly this, depending on all, everyone else to be able to have whatever, you know, to be able to go and play. So I ha always had to have a singer or a guitar player or a piano player or whatever, somebody else in order to go and play and make some music. So this offered me the opportunity to do it by myself, and that was a big plus for me. So th those two things, the potential of what you could do with the instrument and the potential to do it alone, that was what kind of grabbed my, caught my eye, I think that's the expression. So right. it, was, it, was the, it was the freedom and the independence exactly. and the, the, not necessarily the dependency, but the nature of the bass is, I mean... Unless you're, you know, Stanley Clark or, you know, Jacob Astorius and you're kind of putting yourself out there in front, the, the instrument is, 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 is a, a supportive role, really. It is, it is a foundation. And so it's called a bass, right? It's exactly. The B-A-S-E bass. And so 
it, it makes perfect sense. And, and I can very much relate to that because I played in a trio with a guitarist and a drummer for many years. And, you know, when I was not playing in that trio, I never particularly wanted to play bass. So it's kind of like, well, I, I don't feel like my voice is really being heard. And then I found that I really like to sing. But I didn't like to sing when I was playing bass. And I don't know how guys like Sting or any other singing bassist, you know, really can do what they do. Um, and that, that also just, you know, mesmerizes me because one thing that I find impossible to do is play the bass and sing at the same time. It's easily done on piano and guitar, but on bass, it's unbelievable. I don't know how they do it. Anyway. I saw, I saw Sting a couple of years back, like three years ago. He came out to, 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 to Mecula to play at Pachanga, and I was not disappointed. That guy, well into his 60s, hit the stage, played new songs, played old songs, led this band of like eight people, and hit every single note on the bass spot on and, you know, and just gave the performance of his life. And it was for like 500, you know, maybe 800 people. And it was, it was like the last time he was going to play. It was fantastic. So a tremendous amount of respect for that. But I found that I was able to sing more easily when I was playing guitar. So unless I'm playing with Miles and Steve, it's, it's a different experience. Like I played bass. It was almost like I played bass for them, you know. And, and when I'm playing the Chapman stick, it's like, well, now I have this voice. And now, um, and something that I really like about the Chapman stick in particular is the challenge it's really hard. Like, like you can't be doing, like if I have to dance around with pedals and things like that, you know, the, the, the playing's going to suffer. And so that's why I'm like kind of leaning away from any effects at all these days. So it, it is a, a tremendous challenge. And that was something like, even before when I picked it up out of the, the case, I was like, and I held it and I plugged it in. I was like, Oh, this is going to be so much harder than I thought. This is, this is so much harder than I thought. Um, So I, I didn't, I didn't really, I, I didn't really know what I was getting myself into. And, um, and when oh, I saw the potential in the right hand, you know, I, I had I, it, the, the, the possibilities, it, it became less of like this, like going, it, it was like a tidal wave, you know, it was less like this, like serene pastoral beach on which I could play music. And it was like, literally the sea was being sucked out because there was a huge wave coming in <laughs> about to crash over me. Oh man, that's a good analogy. Yeah. So I knew that I wanted to, much like you, Red. Oh, actually, Vic. Before we go on, like, what were what were you getting yourself into? I mean, because I mean, you you actually apply this in a way that you hadn't prior to getting the instrument. So rather than being a bassist that came to the Chapman stick that wanted to kind of embellish what they were doing, you're kind of like, hey, this is where my role is, or this I have people to play with, like. Maybe yeah, talk a little so, bit about what you were getting yourself into. I didn't really know what I was getting myself into. I I made a decision to buy it. It was a bit of an impulse decision, and I just saw it being played by Nick Beggs as it happened. That was the Nick final Beggs. straw yeah, in a band context. And with me, you know, I'm not like you just said. I'm not a bass player. You know, I'm not a guitar player. I, I can play a few chords on the guitar, but I'm not a musician. I, you know, I'm sang in choirs and stuff, but that's it. <laughs> wait, 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 just, you are a musician, but, but you played instruments prior to having the stick, did you not? No, I just played a few. I could play a few chords on the guitar. He's the I genuine know. stick player because he's the guy that wow. I'm going to start playing one instrument and he picked up the, the stick. Uh, that was Rod, how did we not know this? Like, no, we well, found him. He's, <laughs> it's, <laughs> I mean, he's I can, the one. You know, I, can, I can play the basic chords on a guitar and... Um, 
getting a little bit more serious about music seemed like a good thing to do at this stage of my life. You know, it's kind of an anti-Alzheimer's is what I'm kind of, you know, hoping it will be uh, to a certain extent, although that's, you know, that wasn't the only reason. That was just a, a, a nice benefit to help me make the decision easier. But um, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I saw Nick Beggs playing it uh, in a bass context. Sometimes he would play a bass guitar. Sometimes he would play a stick and uh, he would be playing the bass role with this band. And it just looked fun. It looked really fun. And it looked, it looked like something that I could learn to play simply in a simple fashion well enough to maybe play with some other people. Cause that was my big motivation. I wanted to play with other people. And uh, so gotcha. it was, you know, why didn't I just, you know, pick up a bass guitar? Well, I didn't really ever have aspirations of being a bassist. Now I love it. Uh, even mm -hmm. though I'm not a bass guitar player, but I love playing the bass, you know, as I've learned what it means and what you have to do yeah. and, and how you interact with the drummer and other instruments and what, yeah. You know, it's now it's become really cool. You know, it's, I'm, I'm a head bobber, you know, and it's, it's, and a bass player and a head bobber, you, you know, they, at least as far as I, uh, as, as I'm concerned, or as, at least as far as it applies to me is, is the way to do it. But I didn't really have a direction I was trying to go. It just looked fun and I wanted to play with other people. And I thought I'd maybe have some chances to play with other people after, a f after maybe two or three years of, of getting on the bass side. And then it also, you know, it can do so much more that I figured that, you know, I'm never going to be bored with this instrument. Now I had no idea the instrument <laughs> would kick my sure. backside as much as it has, <laughs> but, uh, but that was part of it. And uh, so I'm not, I'm not the guy that said, oh yeah, I need this for this purpose. I'm the guy that saw it and said, wow, that looks cool. And it looks like maybe it'll be more fun than applying myself to the guitar, you know, probably just because yeah, of its that looks newness. cool. I mean, I, I said the exact same thing. I was like, wouldn't that be cool? And I mean, of yeah. course, I was a big Tony Levin fan. Or, I mean, at the time, yeah, I had been a King Crimson fan. But but I can very much relate to that, you know, when you when you see it and you think about the possibilities, it's it's interesting how we all have kind of different experiences in coming to it. And I suppose that's really the kind of the heart of this episode. And that is, is even before you get it, like what makes you think that, you know, you can play it? Not necessarily what makes you think you can play it so much as... Um, What's your motive? What's my motivation? Right. It's like, like, you know, like a, a director always says to an actor, like, what's your motivation? You know, why are you doing this? You know, like, like show me. Right. Yeah. And, and, and you had a motivation famously, and Rodrigo had a motivation uh, that were musically applied. Yeah. With, mine was just, Ooh, that looks cool. I think I want to be a musician. And that's and the that best kind of motivation though. Right. <laughs> like that's, that yeah, is uh, just let me cut in because that motivation that you had, Victor, is the one I had when I started playing the bass. Like, uh, oh yeah, you know. So that's yeah. the kind of thing that drives us or puts us in a way to I'm going to pick an instrument and start making music because it, it looks cool. It looks maybe I can do this or at least it looks like I'll be having some fun doing it. And that's the beginning yeah. of the whole thing. I mean, from for most of us because I, I started being a musical student at age seven, I think, but the bass got into my life around 14, 15 years old. That's when I, the, the, the same thing I had, which is that looks cool and I want to, it looks like fun. So I'm going to pick one of these instruments and try and see what I can do with it. And so that was the beginning of the, the whole adventure. You know, I can't speak for everybody, but maybe I can, but that whole thing, that whole thing, that looks like fun. 
I think that has got to be the biggest single reason amongst all of them. The most common reason, maybe is a better way to put it, is that looks like fun. Yeah. It was less about fun and more about cool to me. Like, I mean, (laughs) as long as we're being perfectly honest here, I was just like, I would look cool with one of those. And I was wrong because it's really like, like you look cool, like you can look cool with a bass, but like with a Chapman stick, you know, you're looking like hunched over and you're sitting down or you're standing. It's like, and I'm not like trying to pick on stick players, but like, you know, compared to a guy with like a Stratocaster, like how are you going to beat that? How are you going to top that? Like well, Jimi Hendrix? Okay, Tony, like, Tony Levin pulls it off. I am. Tony Levin, that's right. I'm he not a big a Tim Princeton fan, but Tony Levin knows how to strike a pose with that instrument better than anybody. <laughs> that's true. That's true. At this stage, I have to refer that. Gene has a new haircut and new set of glasses, and he looks really cool, even without a stick on his head. So it kind of looks like a mix between Bono and, and Sting. Uh, so. Take your money, Rodriguez. Oh, yeah. Just take the money. Take my money. <laughs> Anyways, listen, I think, I think we're ready to start talking about it. We can get into costs, I suppose. Um, but I suppose this, uh, this was, I suppose, intended as kind of like the intro and kind of the kickoff. And so if you don't have a stick yet, stick around. And we're going to talk about, we're going to talk about the foundation of what it is to want a stick, to desire a stick, to th- whether you think it's cool, whether you think it would be a fun, whether it's a challenge, where you've got some free time on your hands. Maybe you've got three grand you're just sitting on top of that you, you just put, like it's burning a hole in your pocket. Like we've... We've got something for you. Purchasing a Chapman stick is a big investment. It's a big investment in time. It's a big investment in money. And we'll explore that, uh, especially for those of us who are outside of the North America or even the United States, simply because there are tariffs, duties, import costs, and fees that need to be explored. Now, I live about two or three hours away from Stick Enterprises, and um, I may have kind of overstayed my welcome there a couple of times, but I'll just kind of drive <laughs> over there with a pizza or some donuts or something, and, you know, and, and you know, they're always very gracious about allowing me to, like, okay, let's have a gene, you know, let's have it, Perry. Like, come on in. <laughs> and the, the, the living room is, is full of Chapman sticks, and they've got Post-it notes on them, and they're very diligent about this, and they take it very seriously. But for those who, who don't have that kind of proximity, um, it's a good... It's a good time to ask yourself, you know, what what do you want? Do you want an instrument that's going to cover a specific range? Do you want an instrument because it is something new? Do you want an instrument that just looks cool or that you think you'll look cool playing? You know, it, there's so many things to consider about what do you want from the instrument. Um, and that kind of comes back to, you know, what are you getting yourself into? What are you, and, and a lot of times, I mean, we see it all the time out there on the stickest in particular on Facebook, you know, a stick goes up for sale and, um, you know, somebody has it for four or five months. They had a, a different expectation. It wasn't what they thought it was. And so I think that this episode in particular will kind of provide a backdrop for things to consider when making a purchase of this size. And there's not, I don't think there's too much else to cover on that. So we can skip, I would say, let's skip straight to the Freehands book. So Mm. in addition to the instrument, 
came a technique or a methodology that was put out into the universe by the creator of the Chapman stick, Emma Chapman. Now he had some help from, I think, Diana, helped him kind of do the images and kind of like silk screen things. I can't remember. She was laying, like she was editing and she told me about it one time. There was this tremendous effort in putting it all together. But this is from, you know, uh, the inventor's, uh, you know, very own hand. And what it was is it was actually a series of kind of newsletters that he was sending out to people. The, the Freehand's book was a series of newsletters that was put out to people that were playing the instrument. And Greg's explained this to me a couple of times, and there's a great story behind it, and we'll have to have him on and have him talk about kind of how the, the, the Freehand's book came together. But the idea was that he put this collection of things that he had put out to in newsletter form into a single bound book. And what's great about this book is it's not a traditional music book. Right? When I think of a traditional music book, right, I think of like the real book, just pages and pages of charts and charts. But in the Freehand's book, you know, he'll, he'll discuss these techniques and he'll talk about them and he'll give examples and analogies and he'll tell you how he intended the instrument to be played. He'll give you um, which finger to use and how to kind of arc them off into scales and then how to uh, form chords, which fingers to use. And so this is a great kind of entryway into the instrument. And I'm wanting to skip straight to like the, the, the tuning and the pickup questions, but we're going to, we're going to save those for later. So right. the Freehands book, do you guys still have your Freehands book? Oh, yes, definitely. Yeah. Um, I have it. Yes. I actually didn't get it until recently. I actually had to buy it, but uh, you had to buy it. Yeah, I had to buy it. Yeah, I didn't. Uh, I I bought my first new stick before he was giving them away with all the instruments, and okay. then uh, and so yeah, because when well, if if you're buying one new, it just it's free. It comes with instruments, so everyone that's getting a new stick uh, will have a. a I mean, a it was. Book. I mean, it also could be that, that they thought I had one, and so they didn't need to send me another one. Perhaps when I bought my second and third <laughs> instruments, or but. they just thought you you didn't need one because you already. You know. Yeah, no, or maybe it was like, you know, nothing's going to help that guy. Let's not even <laughs> Anyway. Um, I don't think they thought that at all. No. I think that maybe you should get your $27 back, right? <laughs> no, no, it was, it was fine. Um, you know, you're talking about... It is about, a fantastic you know, resource to have. And it's, but it's not the only resource to have, right? Like, so Greg has a great songbook out there. Um, you know, Bob has this, this you know, he calls it his coffee table book. And of course, Steve Adelson has, you know, these very serious publications that are written for more traditional, you know, kind of jazz players. And so there's, you know, there you have it. And there's, I think there's, um, there's been long debates that I've heard out there on the stickest, you know, people talking about, um, you know, do we, you know, why isn't there more written music for the instrument? And, you know, that, that, and this is a great intro to the fourths and fifths tuning, which we're about to touch on, but, you know, you, it's, um, so here's the joke. Uh, so here's a great intro to this section. And that is how many stickists does it take to screw in a light bulb? Oh, I don't know this one. Yeah, I haven't heard of this Well, one. the actual joke is, what's a Chapman stick? <laughs> <laughs> but you could also say, 
how many seconds does it take to screen a light bulb? You could also say, well, what, what tuning are they using? <laughs> you know? Because you could take, like, okay, say, Rodrigo, you have multiple Chapman sticks. In addition to a dragonfly, what tuning do you use? I use the, the fifth uh, in, on the bass side and fourths for the melody side, and I use match reciprocal. Match but, reciprocal. Yeah. Just let me go back a little bit because there was something uh, just referring to, to Amit's book, to the freehand sure. book. Although I, I used, I have to be honest, I explored more in depth the uh, Greg's book and Steve Adelson's book and particularly Bob's videos on YouTube. Mm. But when you pick up Emmett's book, the Freehand's book, and you start, you know, just looking at it, it's like, it's not a roadmap to something, but it's the whole philosophy behind the instrument. So you, you start reading a couple of introductions to each of the chapters and, and it all comes into place. You, know, you, you understand what is the meaning, why did it, it did it, and it has such ba basic things like, well, if you want to do a chord, you use this, uh, this kind of finger, fingering or this, this, uh, this graphic, this geometry for for the left hand, and then you can have a scale on the right. So it's kind of, it's kind of like the the whole um, index, you know. When you have an index on a book, and you look at it, and what does it contain? And you look at that book, and it contains everything. And then you go to the other books if you want to go more into depth in the technical thing with tapping and pull offs and and stuff. And then you you have Greg's and and uh, uh, Steve's book, and so all those things are great resources. But the freehand's book, it's like them. It's like the well. It's got like the the Bible, the Holy Grail of the of the, the whole That's instrument, true. you know. So it's mm -hmm. the it has everything in there. And then as you start going more in depth, e.g., you just can can discover yourself, or you can take advantage of the guys that spent already 20, 30 years playing the instrument, you know, just and turn all of those concepts into very particular exercises and, and clear things, and you just save yourself a lot of time if you go uh, if you follow what they teach you because they've spent like. 15 years learning something and then they just teach you that in 10 minutes. So you just save 15 years. So I wonder, I wonder we're talking about, you know, people that don't have an instrument and the value of this book, you know, it's a little bit off topic because this is, you know, you know, this is a great resource to have to help you learn and understand your instrument. Um, and we didn't talk about this and it's kind of coming out of left field, but you know, you can buy this book before you buy the instrument. Would that be an idea for someone that's considering, is it worth spending 25 bucks or whatever the that is the a perfect before question. you spend your $3,000 to, to order an instrument? That's, or, that's not a bad, that's not, I hadn't really thought about that because I had me, when I, when I got the instrument, the book was just this like little Easter egg, you know, I was like, oh, look, I'm not alone. And there's a picture of Don Schiff and there's a picture of Bob Culbertson and, you know, my, my friend, my friend, Mike Polowitz, you know, like they're, they're all in there. And, and, uh, but that's not a bad idea. It's almost like, you know, but before you do it, you, you might want to consider looking at it. I don't know if people have the kind of, that kind of patience these days though. Right. You know, but you have... Again, I didn't thought about it either, but you have a bunch, I don't know how many, but there are articles written by Emmett and Emmett has, actually, he has a, a website. I don't have the, maybe we can just share it afterwards, sure. but I don't have the, the address by hand, but he wrote a, a few articles and he explains these things and the whole concept and it's free, it's online, it's available. So uh, I think it would be 
actually super cool if if you're planning to buy a stick or planning to buy a tapping instrument and, and thinking about this fifths and fourths and the whole concept, the whole idea of the free hands, you know, each hand coming yeah. from different sides on a vertical position. Uh, if you read Emmett's, I don't know, you don't have to read too much, but a couple of articles. EmmettChapman.net. Dot .net, something? Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, and it looks like it was done in Netscape Navigator 4. <laughs> it's like an old site, an old website. Said yeah. the IT guy. Yeah, sorry, yeah. Like, <laughs> recognize we gotta, that we right away. That out. But that's an, an, that's an amazing resource and super important. If you want to you know, know what you're diving into, you probably should read what Amit was thinking about it or his con he has this amazing thing about uh, pieces of uh, in a chessboard something like I don't remember mm -hmm. the, the article something that was right. like laying out uh, comparing the stick uh, and the fingerboard to a, a chessboard or something like that I don't remember exactly but I, I knew that I when I read that yeah, yeah when I read it it had a huge impact on me and it made a lot of, a lot of sense at the time I saw it so I so you mentioned you know fifths in the bass, fourths in the melody. Let's move on and talk about uh, about that a little bit because one of the things that divides people uh, is, you know, we all use a, you know, I shouldn't say we all, is that there are multiple tunings available. You know, there's classic tuning, there's master reciprocal, I think, which all three of us use. There's baritone melody, which has some great applications. There's I do not use master reciprocal. I use full baritone tuning. Oh, okay. Well, there we go. That was the next one I had said, I think. Yeah, no, it's okay. But, um, and that's but very uncommon. But it, it was, you know, if you look at, but I think it was one of Emmett's favorites back in the day. And that just involves ratcheting up your left hand a full step. And that's what he did when he, yeah. you know, put out the railboard. He's like, I want to use this raised match reciprocal for this instrument. And this okay. is the way he intended awesome. it to be played. But well, one I of the things is because I just liked it. Yeah. Well, one of the things, I'm not sure how to dive into this discussion, but, you know, in terms of, you know, the question, what are you getting yourself into and what do you want, which I think is going to be coming up over and over again in the conversation some more. But I've read any number of posts on various forums, whether it's Stickist, whether it is uh, TalkBass or other bass guitar forums. Um, the traditional layout fifths in the bass with the fatter strings being at the middle of the board moving out. That's something that for someone coming from a traditional bass guitar, that takes some wrapping your mind around because it goes against everything you've been doing. Now, it didn't pose a problem for me a whole lot because you know, I wasn't really set in my ways and, 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 you know, I, I guess I'll use the word fortunate, uh, that I didn't have to try and relearn anything. And maybe it wouldn't have been that difficult. I don't know, because plenty of people all go from bass to stick seamlessly. And so it, maybe it's not that big of a deal, but I have heard from people who have said they don't like that. And so they either give up the instrument or they restring their instrument so the fat string is, you know, where the, the where the higher notes on the bass side uh, are traditionally. And uh, now I don't know what that does, but that is something out there that sometimes is a stumbling block for people and they deal with it in different ways. Some people, they just adapt to it. Some people change the instrument to something they're more familiar with, which, to be honest, I don't know what that does to the third voice 
on the left hand. I don't know if that makes it more difficult to play bass and chords on the left hand. Maybe we can get into that too. Uh, and then some people, you know, uh, uh, they encounter Rob Martino. That. Rob Martino uses a, a different tuning altogether. Yeah, but he's he's still got the the fat bass strings in the middle of the instrument. That's what I'm talking about. And oh, um, right. and, yeah, and that, some that people, is, so, and some people say, well, you know, can't I guess stand it's not that. Bassists look at that and they're like, that's just not for me. Like, well, this is so not some for adapt, me. And, and yeah, that's sometimes what they do is they say, oh, that's not for me. And and after mm-hmm. a few months or a year, or whatever, they 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 sell their instrument. So yeah. I think it, it it all comes down to. To the first question, which is, what do you expect? Because if you expect exactly. to be, if you expect to bring your bass chops into the Chapman stick, which is perfectly okay, <laughs> then you you have a problem because the whole instrument is backwards, you know. So <laughs> yeah. and upside down, so it's upside down exactly. So it doesn't make any sense from what you've been taught your whole life. It's yeah. it's it's wrong. So that if you, that's your expectation, I want to bring something that I already have mastered into this instrument, then you should probably just, you know, flip the strings, put them the way you think is right. If you're doing it, like I've been a bass player my whole life. And the one thing I knew when I had, when I bought the stick was, I don't want to play bass on this. I want to play, I want to do something completely different. That's why I kind of chose the, the fifths because it's, it was weirder, you know? So the further away it was from what I was doing, the more challenging it seemed. And the more easier it became because I, I didn't have to adapt anything. I was started starting something from scratch. So for me, it was very positive. The weirder it was, the more appealing it seemed. So that was the, the, the whole deal was not, I don't want to bring my bass chops into this. I want to do what everyone else is doing that I haven't been done, have been, haven't been able to do for, sure. for all this long. Yeah. So that was my motivation, which is... Which led me to so a bit, fifths and fourths. That sounds great. Um, whatever. So that was my motivation was not playing bass on it. Yeah, but if you want to do it, I mean, plus there's another thing which is actually I, I was talking to to Daniel Shell here in in Europe. He's in Belgium, and we were discussing about the whole cross and cross thing. Uh, and uh, I think I don't. I'm not hundred percent sure on this, but. It's kind of, for me, it is not, um, how do you say it? Uh, it doesn't feel right to have both hands uncrossed. You know, it's like the, 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 the fingers are, are curved and the hands are very close and the, the wrists are all wrong. So it doesn't feel comfortable. Uh, mm-hmm. One hand on each, on different sides of the, of the, of the, the fingerboard crossed, crossing over the strings to get to the other side feels a lot more comfortable. But that, that's my personal, uh, ergonomy thing that reacts better to that. If it doesn't, just change it. I mean, I, I don't, I don't think yeah. Ahmed was ever was ever a police officer saying you should play it, <laughs> use it like this. And it just, it just do music and the, the, reach out. And the, the further you reach out, the more he is happy about it. So if I, if you're doing I, it, I'd have to agree. I think that it was intended as kind of this springboard. And really, there's so many different ways of playing it. You know, I, I think. You, know, you compare this to like a guitar or a piano, and you know it, it's like you know the guitar. They really you know, not to beat down guitar. And I'm a guitarist, right? I like guitar, but you, you know you can strum up or you can strum down, or you can tune the guitar differently, or you can use a capo. There's like a number of different like things you can do, but like imagine. <laughs> like, you know, guitarists don't have these kinds of conversations or pianists, you know, it's like, imagine if like, the pianist's like, look, the pianist wants to sit like 
like literally like upside down and play it like like this, you know, like, and play it with like upside down while they're standing on their head, or they want to like literally have their back on the piano bench and play it behind their head. Like pianists, trumpet players, trombone players, they don't have these same challenges that Chapman stick players do. Like you, I can't even put into words how. What, you know what a, a conundrum it is because you can tune it different ways. You've got fourths and fifths. You've got um, or even thirds. So on my twelve string, I, I tune my top string to a to a third, right? So it goes, instead of going A to D, it goes A to C sharp. And I really like that. I really like that because I don't use that string that much. So when I do, it's this kind of wild card, and it it just makes it interesting. You know, it just it just challenges me more. So. Um, that is something that when you enter into the Chapman stick world, and this is a great kind of um, segue for, for tuning, is, you know, what's the best tuning? And then all of a sudden, you know, the stick just blows up. <laughs> and then here come the surveys, you know, here come the surveys. Now somebody wants to do a survey. And then right. um, so um, I, I want to make sure that we did cover everything that we wanted to cover on fourths and fifths tuning, as well as yeah. the, the, the Freehand's book. And as, but, um, as you guys were saying, you know, yeah, you mentioned Rob Martino, and there are others too. Uh, there are a number of players that tune their bass side in fourths, and they've got right. their reasons for doing that. And and I have, you know, Rob Martino made a mistake going to fourths on the bass side. Put that on the <laughs> sentence. Put, put that up. No, put that on the list of sentences exactly. you have never heard anyone say. You know, and <laughs> safe to say, Rob Martino knows exactly what he's doing. <laughs> yeah, that, 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 you know that that was meant as a. That was meant as a, these are sentences you have never heard yeah. people say, you know, that, that's you know, right. Robert, that's so. right. He, he'll prove you, he'll prove any of us wrong anytime. You Just will. listen that's to what true. he does. And it's amazing. And it, you don't feel like the bass is too clustered or the forces, you know, the chords are very dark. You don't feel it at all. So you do, one of the good things with a stick is just go on whatever you want to start with yeah. because it's very easy to change down the line. So until you get your way and figure how you, you react to the instrument, just get the instrument and then decide on so, the final tuning. So here's a the question then. I mean, so should a prospective buyer be looking at the instrument as something where I want to try the traditional fourths and fifths or should they be looking at it as without having tried it, perhaps saying, you know what, I want to get a stick, but I'm never going to try that. I'm going to do it this way. I think 90%. Well, I, I think that personally, from my personal experiences, buy the instrument and play the way it was intended. Because if you've seen other players play, like they're doing just fine. But, you know, you do have these outliers of people that use these alternate tunings um, or string it straight, you know, you know, like the bass string on the you know that first position there, and it goes to high because that's what they're used to. Um, so, for the prospective player, I would say get a ten string instrument, get classic tuning, get a stick up, and get you know just like straight fourths and fifths, medium gauge strings, and see how you feel. Now, chances are people won't do that. You'll get a used stick. You'll probably get a thirty-four inch scale ironwood, maybe an older one. You know, maybe it's got a passive two or um, or an active two rather, um, which kind of predated the passive four. It's really what's available. Like I just looked on Reverb.com, and you know, there's a thirty-four inch scale out there. It looks like this nice bright wood. It might be maple mahogany, but it's ten string. It's got a stick up. They want you know two grand. Like uh, so, you know, there's. Um, it's kind of what's available, but 
I think that the alternate, as you start to step into alternate tunings, like you have to be pretty committed to that. And um, you know, Rob's a very musical person. There are the people that, you know, are just going to go right ahead and do what they're doing, uh, regardless of what instrument it is. But I think in the case of the Chapman stick, it's safe, at least to start with, something that you can relate with. And oftentimes people are like, what's the... And, and so think about this. If you're... <laughs> and, and Rodrigo, you talk about your experience being out in, in Portugal, you know, and, and getting an instrument, you know, like even before you get it, I'm out two, three, four grand. And I don't know how to tune it. I don't know where to get strings for it. It uses a funny cable. Like there's all these nutty people out there that play it and like they can't stop talking about the Chapman stick. Like what... What am I getting myself into? I have to really want to do this. And so um, there's this big debate as people start to explore that. Imagine if you were getting a guitar, right? Well, what tuning do you use? Well, E, A, D, G, B, C, right? I mean, like that's what everyone uses, right? But then what pickup are you using? Well, yeah, it's a Stratocaster. It's got three single coils. Okay, well, what kind of wood is it? I don't know. Like maple, ash, you know, alder? It, it, um, it, it's there's so much variation at the beginning that that first step that instrument could very easily define you, and so do you know? For me, it's like I would tend to play it safe. I'd get a ten string instrument with like you know the pickup of my choice, whatever. I would probably buy it used because they're so expensive. But to kind of jump off of you know fourths and fifths tuning um, and into more specific tuning, there's it's hard to say to somebody straight faced you're going to make the right choice because you're going to pick up, you're going to pick a Chapman stick. And like, if you're dropping like four grand, you're like, Hey, Obi-Wan Kenobi, like, thanks for the riddle, but like, which instrument should I get? You know, like there's, there's it's such a tough decision. Yeah. yeah. Actually, you know, as I was thinking, what if the best or one of the, if somebody came up and, and asked me, so, particularly which instrument, which tuning, I would probably give a question back, which is, well, what did you saw that, that got your attention? So what did you like? Which musician? So that coming back to the beginning of this episode, what did, what got you into the, into this instrument? So it was Tony Levin, it was Bob Culbertson. I don't know. It doesn't matter. Uh, Rob Martino, whatever. So, so you like Rob's music, right? So, Uh, Rob Martino. So try start with with the fourths. You know, if that's the kind of thing you want to, probably if it, if it isn't for you, some because it's so too easy to adapt and to change it back to something different. Uh, probably if I because you were talking and I was going back to the beginnings when I saw Bob Culbertson play uh, while my guitar gently weeps and he, if he was playing with the basing fourths, that's probably what I would have gotten because. That what I saw was something that I wanted that I wanted to do, so I want to rep reproduce that. So probably just go with with what what you like, and then eventually down the line you will figure your way out of it and what what is your own route, and then you'll change it because it's actually after a couple of months with the instrument you start changing with the you know the truss rod and the yeah. tuning and so whatever guess, stuff. So I mean I guess we can kind of summarize that whole thing with that you know. When you're trying to answer some of these questions, particularly with tuning, make a decision and go with it. And maybe don't get bogged down maybe as much as, as, as you might uh, want to, because it is easy, 
it, it's a pretty simple thing to to switch tunings on the instrument. It is. You know, it the is. only thing that would be difficult to do is if you wanted to go f- to like a, a seven five instead of a you know a six six on a ground. You know, seven or bass the, strings or seven melodies. The dual bass. The, the, but, the uh, dual bass tuning might that, involve some kind of intonation. Well, yeah, you'd have to change it, but it's still easy to do. It's not. It's not. Sure. It's basically a set of strings and some time. On top of that, you have the, what Gene just said, which is availability. So, whatever can you get if you're on Reverb.com? So, what's there? And I mean, I don't. I don't want to spend six months waiting for an instrument. So, I want to. I want to buy one used. So, what? What is there right now that I can buy that I can afford? So, th- that could be a mix between those these two things, which is. What do you like? What uh, the instrument and what's available right now? If you if you don't feel like waiting, I know when I when I started, I didn't want to wait six months for an instrument. So I called Stick Enterprise and I asked, "What do you have available now?" You yeah. Know, so yeah. So and cheap, you know, <laughs> those were both two things that I asked. What is cheapest and available now? on tuning, know this. There are a number of different tunings. And if you go out to stick.com, there are no less than six different tunings for each instrument with the 10 and 12 string instruments having as many as 10 to 12 different tunings. So Even if you took a guitar and you look and took like the top five different tunings that guitarists may use, especially in kind of like a blues or like a bluegrass kind of folk arrangement, would you have five? Would you have 10? Maybe. But you probably wouldn't have 10 different players that had 10 different tunings if you put 10 guitarists in a room. Safe to say that if you put 10 stick players, and Rodrigo and Vic, you let me know if this isn't true or you don't agree. If you took 10 stick players and put them in a room, I would venture to say half of them have classic tuning. Maybe four. And that probably uh, the, the, the degree to which we see the frequency of tunings would probably be, um, is it baritone melody? Oh, no, matricipal. I think matricipal might be more popular than classical, but I really don't know. Um, That's probably something that that only stick enterprises know based on string sales. So I've been corrected. I've been corrected in the past. It's classic, not classical, because Emmett would say, oh, is that for classical music? Right? And then all of a sudden you've got all the (laughs) classical people up in arms about it. You know, it's not a classical tune. Like the jazz guys are like, yes, it is. (laughs) (laughs) I'm pretty sure there is a stickest form out there that discusses that specifically. So... Um, a lot of uh, classic tuning, a lot of matched reciprocal, um, baritone melody, and then you've got your more kind of, you know, I don't want to say fringe tunings, but not as popular, right? So now raised matched reciprocal is much more popular because this is what Emmett was pushing with the railboard, understandably so. This is the way he heard it. This is the way he recommended it. And a lot of people were like, yeah, raised matched reciprocal, you know, yeah. crank up the left hand a uh, 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 um, uh, it's a step, what, isn't it? A step, two steps? Yeah, a whole step. A whole, step. A whole yeah. step, yeah. 
which is where I like the bass hand, is I like it with a D um, as opposed to a C. It just feels good. I love the feel of that. So one thing that I wanted to just get out there, though, is that in terms of, of that, those more popular tunings are going to be the ones that have more music written for them available. But Correct. no matter which tuning you get, you're going to have to do a lot of your own arranging if you want to learn songs. Because, you know, while classic and match reciprocal do have uh, more out there that you can find, some of it actually published in things like the Greg Howard songbook, um, no matter what tuning you get, there's not a whole lot of material out there. So you're going to have to be doing um, a lot of your own arranging, whether it's picking up a real book and making your own arrangement or finding a, a chord chart and making your own arrangement or, you know, or maybe you hear a song and you just try to emulate it, which, you know, which I think we, a lot of us have done as well. So, you know, if you've got the expectation that you can buy a stick and there's plenty of stuff out there that you can find to play, uh, you might want to temper that expectation a little bit and uh, which can be a good thing because it kind of forces you to learn music theory maybe in ways that you might not have otherwise done. Uh, although that's not universal, obviously a lot of people play by ear. I think it's a, a thing that's common to most stick players, which is the, we kind of like the the challenge of starting with an instrument that's fairly new and fairly uncharted territory. So kind of it's for most stick players, I know it, it kind of, it's kind of appealing, you know, this thing that it doesn't, it's not set in stone, so it doesn't have too many rules and I can get my way, even if it's not yeah. particularly right. So yeah, I think I can manage doing something yeah. with this instrument. I mean, so. you can take you can take a guitar composition or a piano composition, and you can you can adapt it to the stick, and it's oh, a lot definitely. easier sometimes. And I mean, you know, a Bach composition, for instance, um, is fairly yeah, it's not universal, but it's it's fairly straightforward. Or you know, or if you pick up a guitar tablature, you can often adapt that. I know Rodrigo, you've done it on your album. You had some stuff by this beautifully awesome South American add, guitar yes. composer and, and whatnot. So yeah, you're an example of that as well. But as far as is, you know, stick tablature where, you know, it's got the fingerings that are specific to the stick and stuff. Yeah, that's that's what I meant to say is is going to you're eventually going to find a limitation to what's available out there on that. So anyway, thanks for letting me interrupt you there, Gene. Oh no, that's okay. I love the sound of my own voice and I'll just keep going until somebody's like, Gene, shut up. <laughs> Stop talking about the stick. <laughs> and I think that I represent a pretty fair amount of stickists out there. They're just like, well, I'm a chopping stick. You know, it's like, it, um, it is the, the openness to new things and kind of Rod, you kind of touched on it. And that is, yeah. is like, Hey, I, I want, I've brought this pain upon myself. I, I, I want this grief. I want this challenge. And I took all the puzzle like pieces a and, that's just the blues in on itself. That, that phrase, and I, and I kind of brought this on myself. It's a, you sounded you sounded like a blues, you know, just <laughs> without singing it. You you were just you were bluesy now. Nobody's fault but mine, you know. To to, to quote Led Zeppelin, it is, and probably other some other blues players that they ripped it off from. Is it's, it's nobody's fault but mine. The Chapman stick, picking up the Chapman stick, nobody's fault but mine. Thinking I can play it like a bass. Nobody's fault but mine, right? And like, you'll hear me like, like pontificate about this out on the stick as I'm just like, I tried it. You know what? Some guys make it work. I'm not so good. And like, you know, like how many, like how many bases do I have over there? You know, like I've got like th three bases over there. And like, and um, 
those do just fine. But uh, there, there's a Portuguese expression, for, you know, Bono over there just tilted his <laughs> camera and showed us how many instruments he had. It's like three Chapman sticks, one NS stick, and what, three bass guitars? Two, yeah, three bass guitars. Yeah. So it's like we have a Portuguese expression that I won't say to, re to reference the kind of guys that do this, you know, tilt the camera and show us, I've got a bunch of instruments, you know, <laughs> I'm that cool. I anyway. <laughs> I'm 51. Like, and then I, when I sell one, I, I, I buy another. So I kind of, I, I don't have any more space for any more instruments. So I'm, I'm at seven, right? I'm yeah. At well, you know, Gene's instrument closet abhors a vacuum. <laughs> <laughs> the dust has to go somewhere. They might as well go on these beautiful handmade instruments, you That's know? Right. <laughs> So, do you want? Do we want to move on? And yeah, yeah. Let's talk about tapping. So let's talk about. Um, um, oh, well. Last point. There's no easier tuning that one than the other. Like, so if you think that classic is easier than match reciprocal, somebody sold you something. Right? Definitely. So it's, just yeah. the, it's just the availability of written materials. That, that that's. I think it's face, safe to say that the availability of written materials will be more uh, available in classic match reciprocal and raised match reciprocal. So on that note, tapping, um, it's a different way of playing. It's a different way of tapping on a guitar or a bass. Um, it is uh, even made more kind of intriguing, if you will, uh, playing in a crossed manner. So you hear the term crossed and uncrossed. So imagine your right hand reaching across the fretboard of the other five bass strings, but not actually touching them. So there's this kind of delicate balance you have with your right hand as well as your left hand, although the right hand plays more of a role, and that is, is that your right hand reaches over five of the bass strings and your left hand reaches over the melody side to get to the bass strings. This is a crossed style. You know the term crossed. There are other players that Uh, famously, I mean, like, and some stick players play uncrossed. I, I've seen Bob switch like mid tune and just decide to play uncrossed, and he does it masterfully. Yeah, that guy. Um, yeah, and, and, that's and, that guy. Right. That guy. <laughs> it, it is a, it's a personal choice, but tapping on a Chapman stick is very unique. It's different from tapping on a guitar. It's different from tapping on a bass. On a guitar and or a bass, you can kind of mute things. There's just a it's a different experience. And on top of which you've got open strings. So you know you can wrench your hand off the fretboard and get a note that's desirable. If you do that in a Chapman stick, you know, chances are um, you get a sound that's not very musical. Maybe it's kind of like musical in like a punk rock kind of way, but it's, to me, it's never, <laughs> I, I can't get like a desirable kind of pull off the way I want. So uh, tapping uh, a different experience altogether. Now for you, Rod, I suppose you, you are classically trained. What is the difference between a Chapman stick and like a keyboard and a piano? Actually, I'm not classically trained per se. I just tend to go that way, you know, so my taste draws me there but i've been trained as a jazz musician so i started out a jazz musician probably even if i haven't played jazz in a very long time the whole philosophy of the the, the whole attitude of the music that's what stayed with me um i don't know how how, how different it is or how particular it is or the, the i know this some of of, of the people i know that didn't felt too comfortable, didn't like the experience of playing a Chapman stick or a tapping instrument and moved on, 
was because there's this very particular thing, unlike most other instruments like a guitar or a piano or whatever, which is a tapping instrument, it's a very, very uh, subtle and sensitive instrument. What happens is you have the level of mistake, the noises and, and the, the right notes, everything is at the same level. So the technique has to be very much perfected because if you make a mistake, it sounds huge. <laughs> on, a, on a classical guitar or on a, on, a, on a piano or an electric guitar for that matter, the amount of, of, of vibra the strength you put into vibrating a string, it's much bigger than the amount of, of the, the vibration of a mistake. So the mistakes tend to get hidden by the, the, the music, by the, the, the right notes, if this makes any sense. So it becomes harder. That's my experience because it's not that it's harder, but the mistake is more obvious when you play a tapping instrument because everything is at the same level. So you have to, the technique has to be more perfected than it does on a piano or a electric classical guitar, bass, whatever, a trumpet, whatever. The noise is there. It's just lower because the note has much more energy than the noise on a stick. It doesn't, so it has the same amount of energy. So it it kind of like like when you do a pull off, or you 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 your nail gets stuck on a story string, a string gets stuck on a nail, and then you take your finger off, and it just pops. You know, Crap. that might happen on a guitar, <laughs> but it's not a big deal. On a stick, you can you blow the whole PA with that. You know, yeah. so <laughs> yeah. So I I can very much relate to what you're saying, Rod, and and that is is that. The um, and I think I've talked to Tom G about this. So Tom Greasegraver, we, we talked about the immediacy of the chop and stick. And you know when you're playing a guitar or a bass, you know you can kind of mute things with your palm. You know, you're able to make use of this part of your hand. And there's a whole technique that is encompassed by that that you can use and you can control the dynamic. On top of which, you've got a hand that controls like 80% of the dynamic component. Um, in the right hand. If you listen to great flamenco players, yeah. this is really like the main part of the instrument. And this left hand that's fretting notes is just kind of interpreting what the right hand is telling it what to do because the left hand is choosing the notes, obviously, but the right hand is really what is wherein the passion lies. And so with the Chapman stick, those two components need to be combined into each finger. So each finger becomes, uh, you know, one hand that's controlling the dynamic and the hand that's controlling the actual quality of the note. And so yeah. that is not easy to do. That takes a lot of time and effort. I had someone come up to me once and, you know, he was just, you know, he was just kind of giving me some, giving me some crap. Um, but, uh, you know, I'm not sure what instrument it was he played. I think he was a guitar player. And he said, you know, that, that's just easy. All you're doing is tapping the strings. You know, you don't have to... And, you know, when you play a stick, one of the difficult things for me is, you know, is, is that accuracy that you guys are talking about. Um, it's much more critical than certainly on a guitar. So when I'm playing a guitar and I want to hit a certain note or a certain chord, if my fingers land, if my left hand, if those fingers land in the wrong place to make the chord, I have an instant to slide them into the right place before the pick hits the strings. And before the strum happens or the pluck happens, you don't get that with a stick. You're, you know, when you, when your finger hits that, 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 that string, it's too late and gets it down. 
It's 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 there. The check is in the mail. You just wrote a million dollar check and you can't get yeah. it back when you found out it was going to the wrong address yeah. or the wrong person. That's right. That's and right. and so um you know there is there is now obviously every instrument has its own difficulties and I do not intend to mean that the guitar is an easy instrument not at all it's a difficult instrument like any other but that's one of the things about the stick is yeah you may just be tapping the notes but you know what you can't miss and then correct it before the noise comes out you know you have to the you delivery. have to get that right and whether that's hitting the right string or whether it's hitting the right fret or whether it's hitting too far behind the fret and giving you a load of buzz you know, you do have you do have that, and uh, that's and that's something that maybe isn't apparent, at least with someone that plays well, and you know, people that make it look easy, you know. Uh, but that was my biggest challenge and surprise was the whole you know checks in the mail. You know, you can't get yeah. it back. You know, you hit that string, and you're you're you better have gotten it right because there's no changing it and fixing it afterwards. Actually. So. I just remember something. I haven't remembered this in, in over 20 years. My first lesson, uh, actually, he just he just passed this year. But my my first double bass player was a, an American guy. Uh, his, his name was Dave Gosden. He was a, a bass jazz double bass player. And he was my first teacher. And the first class he gives me when I, when I you know, I get out of the house, I finish high school and I, I decide, I talk to my parents and I decide I want to go to, the, to Lisbon, the capital. And I want to start with this instrument because it was the only place where it was available. So I start this first lesson with Dave and he tells me, so the first lesson you need to learn as a bass player is how do you get out of a mistake? You know, how do you fake your way out of it? And that's one of the things that we learn as musicians because everybody makes mistakes mm -hmm. and it becomes a self, self survival mode. So you have to know how to, when you make a mistake, like when your, your, your hand landed on the right, wrong place and then you just slide it in or whatever, you can do that very easily or you learn how to do it on other instruments. When you get to the stick, if you're a new stick player and you, the first shock is it's very hard to get your way out of it because the check is in a mail or, I mean, if you make a mistake, the whole band makes it. If you're playing solo, it's like a whole, the whole orchestra just made a huge mistake, right? Like 60 guys made a mistake. So that's the, 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 the thing with, that's why it, it takes a little bit of time and effort because you have to f learn how to get out of a mistake or how to fake your way out of something that's really gross or whatever. And you have to do it and you have to learn how to do it. And it takes a little bit of time and it's not that easy on the stick. That's the, the only hard, the only difference that I think uh, from the stick to the other instruments that I've approached over the years, which is faking your way out of it. It's kind of hard, <laughs> but that's right. That's it, it, is, it is hard. I, you know, Rodrigo, so tell us a little bit about, uh, how that's more, or, or how when you're recording, because I, I, I found that when I'm recording the stick, things that I thought that I was just crushing it, I was like, oh, this one's easy. I got this. Just roll the tape. Just roll it, roll it. But then you listen back and you're like, listen to the sound. That's crap. Or it, like, I, I thought it sounded in tune. Or I thought that I wasn't going to get that noise. And I mean... There's so many things to consider. I remember like hearing the belt, you know, on the, like the, the belt that I had that I was using at the time to, to, to actually rest the instrument on. It was like clicking against like the metal of the belt. And I just was like, boy, you really, you really have to, it, it requires all your energy to get a good solid strike on a string and to 
get it the way you want it to sound. And there's no better way that I'm aware of than putting on headphones and recording yourself doing it. And I'm sure you've experienced this in you, with, with recording your most recent album in addition to geez, writing out the music for everything and recording the video, you actually got the recording of the instrument, you know, which is just basically a Chapman stick. And I'm sorry, I was so just so, so into what you're saying that I, I missed the question. So what was it wasn't the, really a question, I suppose. But, but how is like, so with regards to, and I know we're talking about buying a new stick, but like when you're getting ready to, you know, to record a bit of a digression, you know, like what did you discover? Yeah, like, you know, how might your expectations have been a little bit off? Yeah, like when you when you were recording with it, like, what was different about it than doing the Oh, everything. But th that's not specific to the stick. That happen, happens with almost everything. When you're recording, you're, even if you're just recording on a phone, your perspective while playing something, it's completely different, different when you listen to it. So you have to do it. You have to learn because you have to know how it sounds on the outside. When you're... I was just... Actually, yesterday I was I was you know going back to a practice uh, a rehearsal which I haven't done in like six months. So we, I got together with this singer and we started rehearsing some of the things because she had some doubts with the singing and I had to stop playing with her just to be able to focus on exactly what was what was it that she was she was doing. So it's completely different. And with headphones, it helps a lot because you have a, a lot of more control over what's exactly there, the, the noise and the noise, signal noise ratio and all those those things, the mistakes that you don't listen while, you, while you're playing. But with headphones, they're there, they're more apparent. But recording, it's, it's, it's all about that, which is you do it and you think it's okay and then you listen to it, it's, it's crap. And the other way around, you think, yeah, this one's not that good. <laughs> and you, li you listen to it a couple of days later and you think, well, actually, this is pretty good. This yeah. is much better than the, one, the other one. So, I don't know. It, it kind of depends a lot on a whole bunch of things. There are a lot of variables, I suppose. Yeah, and, there are. And, and, too many. and when you're recording with an instrument, something to consider is um, you, you're, you're you're recording two instruments, and, and um, there's there's a thing with recording electrical instruments, which is again the same thing. Which is what well, you, you get the sound is going through a cable, right, so into the, the the recording system. So you you're not actually having the help of the acoustic environment. You date it later, add that to the mix. But when you're recording live with a cable. You are not having the, the 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 help of the acoustic environment because that again helps a lot into making something more musical because the noises go down the music there's reverb there's a bunch of things that raise the musicality of what you're recording that when you're recording just you know raw with a cable everything sucks everything is is too raw and then you have to add the the nature. That what we have in nature, which is the the, the resonance of a room, uh, whatever Ambience. the effects, all of that ambience, all of that helps into making something much more musical. So it's it's all about uh, electrical versus acoustic, or it's all, a big part of what we like in music. Apart from the the playing itself, has a lot to do with the resonance of the room or whatever we add to it, because that's what we tend to like more or less. That makes it better or worse so that's a it's a whole different thing a whole not different really topic, yeah, yeah a whole it's very new much topic. an electrical instrument it, it is and it you is. can play in an acoustic sense but but it is truly like 
Well, you, you can even do it. Probably, I've done it, which is just put a mic in front of your of your amp, and then you have the acoustic environment. You know, just put a sure. record a stick using a mic, like like they do on electric guitars. And you know, they just put a, a sure an SM fifty seven pointing to the to the you know, to your Marshall or whatever amp you're using and just record that. And then you have all the effects or whatever and you have the whole environment, the whole acoustics. It's all already there. You, these days we tend to use, to record things direct and then do that later on. So in order to have more control. But the whole thing goes back to the same, which is you have, it, the sound has to come to the, the acoustic side of the uh, of the of the world and then go back to the to being recorded to the digital side yeah, yeah. okay well I, I think we've we've covered tapping and, and, and touched a little bit on recording we we can talk about forums I know in the past we've talked about forums and and where to play and all the, the many different groups that are out there where one can find out more about the instrument or you can meet people that have an instrument and ask them questions and figure out, you know, how they got started, where they got their instrument, um, and, you know, how to play it, really. So yeah. one of the ones that I think brought us together, I mean, well, Facebook, obviously, you know, Rodrigo, you and I met on Facebook, and Vicky, you and I met on the Stickest, but, but is the Stickest. So here in North America, one, one that is just wildly popular with Chapman Stick players, and on, and on which Emmett posts as well, is uh, run by a, a gentleman named Manny Tao and uh, has a number of different categories and subcategories in which to, to, in which people can post information. But it's kind of an old school approach to forums. Um, and it uses, it's like a PHP board, you know, so uh, it's got three columns, you know, it's got things that are news, it's got things that are, you know, anything anyone can post on, and then it's got, you know, some more popular articles kind of in that center column there. There are other features that can be used on the site, like posting images, you can send private messages to other users on the board. Um, now, Rod, do you use the NSTG? Is it the... National Association of Tap and Guitar. Um, the the French, the French guys. You're talking. They're right. I actually know the the only forum I follow. It's 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 thickest. Um, I don't think they have a forum. I don't. I'm not sure about that. It's like an association. But it's like the French Association of the Stick Players, something like that. I That's don't know right. the exact what it, what the acronym stands for, but I use. Stickest a lot ever since since the beginning because it kind of it's like a place where you can learn and share but where you can where most of information is available put together you know sometimes it's in different topics or whatever you have to scroll down and yeah. search for it but it's even more so than the Stick Enterprises side the website it's the place where you can you know just finding useful information like tunings, like pickups, like where can I find an instrument, which kind of instrument, whatever we've been talking about here. It's yeah, it's searchable. Already, yeah, yeah, it's you searchable. You can't really search Facebook, but you can search Stickist. Exactly. That's, so that's, it's like... That's it, one advantage of It's Stickist, like a, yeah. a library where you can go and search. You might want to spend a little time on it, but it, everything's there, more or less. Yeah. So you Plus you have, as Gene just said, you have the possibility of sometime you just 
might switch some some back and forth comments with Emma Chapman, which is yeah. something that never gets old. Like telling like somebody that's new to the board, it's like, bro, that's that was Emma Chapman that just replied to you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that is so yeah, cool. Uh, yeah, PSA: If you're on Stickus and you see a post by someone called B Sharp, yeah, that just might be someone who knows more about this instrument than most people do. Just might, right, be. right. And the other stickers are like, wait, wait, wait just let him. Know. Let's see what he says. Exactly. <laughs> Let's yeah. see what the new guy says. Hold on, hold on. Just, just let him at it. Let him at it. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, although lately I've been participating a little bit more on some of the Facebook stick groups, and there are, quite frankly, there's too many. But yeah, there are a number of uh, of Facebook stick groups, and some of them should be separate, like you know, in different regions of the world or different languages or whatever. That's right. But, um, but there are a few Facebook groups that you can also get. Uh, uh, there's a bit of a different audience because there are people on the Facebook side that don't participate on Stickist. There are people on the Stickist side that that don't participate on Facebook. But, um, you know, the Facebook's Chapman Stick and Stickistas and Chapman Sticks Rule, those, you know, those right. uh, those are places Stick where chick. you can get... The, yeah, the, the French the players, chip, the yeah. Italian players, you got the Japanese players, you've got stickistas, which represents a huge population. Uh, yeah. Uh, so know, anyway, those are places where, you know, you can also go to ask questions, you know, if, you know, I mean, right. we're not trying to make this particular podcast episode be the last word on any of this. We're just kind of trying to give people things to think about. And, sure. you know, we're doing it in our, our tap and time manner where we kind of go back and forth and we get off topic and go down bunny trails <laughs> and then someone pulls us yeah. back. And usually that would be Claire, but she's not <laughs> here because right. she had some other things that had, she had to take care of today. Uh, yeah. So anyhow, those Facebook groups, you can't search them, but if you post a question, you're going to oftentimes get a different point of view that you may not get in the responses on Stickist. And that can be a really good thing uh, to have. It's always good to get Agreed. different points of view. And, uh, and so that's really good. For Something sure. else that, uh, you know, if you're, you know, trying to find out about the instrument, I've heard of this happening a few times and I don't know how successful it is, but I have heard of people calling up stick enterprises and saying, you know, Hey, I live in this region of the world or in this part of this country, can you tell me, are there any stick players I might contact so I can talk to someone and get a look up close at an instrument? And I'm not sure how that works because stick enterprises is, you know, they do a pretty good job of guarding your personal information. So they're not just going to say, Oh yeah, Victor lives up there without calling Victor first. I don't, I don't think, but anyhow, if you're looking for someone in a particular region, you know, and you're not finding an answer on Stickist or on Facebook, uh, and you want to try and you know get your hands on an instrument, give Stick Enterprises a call. You know, after a few days, they may be able to get permission to give you someone's name. I don't know if they do that sort of thing a whole lot. I have heard of it happening, but I'm not sure how regularly they can do that sort of thing. So um, it is if you're okay to it. You know, sometimes you know uh, someone from Stick. Dot com will be like, hey, you know, we've got somebody out in your area that plays or and they'll ask you if it's OK. They're like, hey, this, this person, this is their name. You know, this is their email. Can we can we share this? And so I, I've had that happen a couple of times, um, just obviously because um, I just made a big noise with the Freehands Academy and and and, uh, and I really like to talk about the stick. <laughs> so people are kind of like, yeah, that's like Gene, you know, you and um I do, yeah, yeah. It's, it's I, I, like, my, hi, my name's Gene, and I'm a stick player. You know, like, <laughs> it seems like 
hygiene, you know. <laughs> <laughs> that was so funny. I just, I could just uh, picture all of us in a seminar. Yeah. You know, everyone saying, <laughs> I, I'm Victor I, I, and I'm a stick player. <laughs> I was a stick player for 23 years. I'm still sticking. Yeah. Um, and, and that's, I you know, we, we all love the, the, the events as well. So we're all kind of missing that. We're, we're, at some point, we'll, there will be a return to normalcy and we'll be able to get back to those types of, uh, of group learning opportunities. And we didn't really put that in our notes here, but, you know, when you're, when you're learning how to play the instrument, really the best way is to um, surround yourself with other players um, and in the case of, you know, like Mallorca and go on vacation, you know, and be out there with like, you know, your, you know, your swim trunks on and like hanging out and like playing volleyball with these guys and kicking the ball around. Then it's like, Hey, let's go play some music, you know, and yeah. like drink I mean, wine and hang out. Here. And that was, you know, so, man, I, mean, I so wish if you're I listening to this and, and actually I know that there are people that I have met at stick camp Canada, which is up in Vancouver, British Columbia that have shown up that don't have an instrument that and i yeah. think that also happened at interlock and when i was there is you know someone shows up and they don't have an instrument and you know they felt strong enough about it to pay the registration and come on out and you know and there's always an extra instrument around that they can give them you can get your hands that's on right. it that way and do it in a in the presence of a stick master usually that's definitely something you should do if you're trying if you're approaching the stick world if you're thinking of buying one if you have one or you still haven't one got one you should go to a stick camp because then you, apart from, from the super cool environment, there's a lot that you can put your hands on and try. And, you know, even if you don't want to spend like two grand or four grand after taxes and everything to have the, the stick shipped from the States to Europe or Australia or whatever, just go to one of these camps, spend a whole lot less and try a whole bunch of instruments and, you know, see how you react to it. So it's, it's an amazing experience. Plus, if you don't like it, if you don't get hooked with it there, then it's probably not for you. Uh, so you save, ended up saving a whole lot of money. That's right. Yeah. I mean, there is the cost of the seminar itself, but, you know, it's also... Yeah, it's yeah, much cheaper than instrument. Benefit. Yeah. So That's true. Uh, anyway, yeah. what I mean is, it, it's this... I remember when the first, when I got my first stick and I went just after two months of having my stick, I went to Mallorca, but I was considering going even without an instrument. I talked to Guillermo at the time. He said, sure, let me know because I'll have a, a stick for you to, to, to lend you. And that was super important. You know, just, I, I wasn't going there to play. I was going there to check out the instrument, you know, and you learn, end up learning a whole lot more just in the right environment with other musicians playing that. It's like any other instrument. If you're a trumpet player, if you go to a trumpet ca camp, you know, you learn a whole bunch of things just hanging out with other trumpet players. So yeah. it's, it's, it's super important for, a, for your fast evolution. And that's always the same thing, which is the guy next to you has spent like months working on something. He'll give you the information for free in five minutes. You just save a whole bunch of time. So it's, it's so super. <laughs> well, why, why not? Why not? Take advantage of it, man. Build you know? on that. Yeah. I loved that. And I did like that about Freehands Academy. And I really felt like, you know, in these other events where we were going to lunch and we were in the car together, like those were my favorite moments, you know, like we're driving someplace, but then, you know, in the evenings, we all kind of go back to our room and I was kind of like, well, I wish we could like hang out and drink beer or hang out and tell stories and, and talk more about the instrument or the experience or other people that we've met. So definitely these camps 
And then you, obviously you build these relationships, which to me, you know, like stick people are some of my favorite people. I do firmly believe that I could go around this entire planet and hit almost every single continent and have a home to stay. And, and you know, like if I, if I just rolled in there, I'm like, hey, it's Gene. And they'd be like, hey, Gene, come in. Yeah. like you, Or even if you're just like, hey, I'm a stick player. They'd be like, really? Hey, come on in. We're having dinner. You know, it's like, you got your shots? Yeah, come on in. Like, you, get in here. That can bring us on a new tangent, which is the, the amount of willingness that stick players have to help somebody that's, you know, fairly new. And I don't have an instrument. Sure, try my one or whatever. Uh, I don't have a place to stay, whatever. So you have a lot of willingness to, to, to help, which is not that common, I think, yeah. from my personal experience. But you have with this, because it's such a small community and everyone's in it for the fun and for the ride. And sure. so it's not... Yeah. We have this saying in Portuguese, which it has to be love because it has no interest. So it can only be love, you know. <laughs> so it's the same thing. So if, if a guy is willing to, to talk stick with you, it's because he loves it. There's no, right. absolutely right. no money you can get out of it unless you're working stick enterprises. So That's right. And the only has person in 100 miles in every single direction that can relate to what you're talking about. So YouTube videos, Rodrigo. Yeah, I think that for the new stick player, it would probably be the most important place to find information. If you, it's it's very you don't have to check everyone, and I'll 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 say these two names because they're easier to 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 understand what they're doing and what instrument can do. So if you go on YouTube and you just search Greg Howard or you just search Bob Culbertson and you look for their videos with the classes, you know, lessons. And I don't know, I would dare say with three or four lessons uh, between both of them, you get a very, very good idea of what the instrument can do, what it was built for, and how we, how you can picture it and how, how it's played. And you have a visual as an audible information of what we're all talking about and if you really want to do it and how to do it. So it's the perfect first experience with the Chapman stick. Just check. These two guys, I, I, it's not they're better or worse than anyone else. It's just that they have lessons online. So search on YouTube and you'll learn a whole lot just about what the instrument is just watching them. So Greg Howard is, you know, the most published author in terms of our stick community. Um, Bob has a, a ton of lessons out there as well as on his, his stick music site. So seeing them on YouTube, it feels like they're speaking just to you and, and uh, because they, they understand, you know, the, how the newness can be a big hurdle and, and seeing them doing it. Um, and, uh, and you're also, you know, you're learning from two individuals who've done like countless seminars in between the two of them and teach privately on their own. So another, another great resource for the, the new potential Chapman stick player. You know, in, in closing, th there's nothing really common about the Chapman stick player it, or the Chapman stick instrument. Let me start again. There is nothing common about the instrument. It may look like other instruments, but the manner in which you approach the instrument will be different in 10 different ways for 10 different players. The instrument can be played like a guitar or a bass. 
it can make and emulate the same range, but it is unique. The arrangement of two fretboards combined onto a single beam that go out into two separate outputs is a lot to take in all at once. So you, you need to kind of plan for these sorts of things, but don't be intimidated by them. You know, like just kind of let the experience happen. Let the journey begin. If you are ready to make the investment or you have someone that's going to lend you an instrument, it's better to have ventured something than to um, remain wondering what the experience of owning, playing, uh, and playing a Chapman stick would be. So... In our second episode, we're going to cover more of the kind of sexy details with the the specific types of tunings and the specific types of woods, 8, 10, 12, NS, SG12, all the various different models, rail border wood. um, That's going to be coming up on our next episode. So until then, I suppose we'll, we'll sign off for now. And we'll get ready for our second episode, and uh, hopefully we'll have Claire back, and we can talk more specifically about the details of owning a Chapman stick. And she can keep us in line without all this (laughs) drift. (laughs) Some governance, right? (laughs) So after this meandering conversation, if you're still with us, thanks a lot for listening, and we hope that it was useful to you. And furthermore, uh, for those of us that do own the instrument, we hope that sometime in the next day or so, you get a chance to pick up your instrument and play for a while. Goodbye. Bye-bye. We welcome your comments. You can contact us by email at tapintimepodcast at gmail.com.